Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. You're joined by myself, Ryan, Lenny. Hola, como va? And John. I don't know the next words. And uh, today we are talking about, is this a Ferrari, old luxury, old racing, and Lenny has a topical car. He couldn't come up with another word for topical. And of course, that means we're talking about Maserati. But we will get into that. We got distracted because we're going to be talking about what we did this week. I myself have been spending a lot of time in Gran Turismo 7 in the sim rig, uh, establishing that it's fantastic. It's uh, pretty realistic, and I still love hot hatches way too much. Um, I've already maxed out tuning-wise a um, EK9, of course. That was the first car I spent all of the money on. And then also <laughs> recently a Ford. Or white? It's white. It's always white with a red badge. That's hey. okay. My white, dude. red badge. My dude. <laughs> That's acceptable. There is, there is no other option. It's championship white, which is the technical term for the white you choose when hey, you yeah i wasn't trying to be that specific you are on the boy, such you a fanboy <laughs> yeah except for what's hey on your gtrs and by the way folks we talking a lot about gtrs here in a minute uh i guess start drinking. you know your color way you know your color codes i don't want to hear it so uh right. yes yeah, so you're right yeah you're right you're right you're right you're right but yeah so i got my i got my ek9 white Red badge, maxed out already. They're, they actually have a couple different EK9s, which is great. There's like the Touring Bird. I don't know. I have to like do well. Oh, I max them all. Gran Turismo is infamous for like, you know, they'll leave out an entire generation of Corvette. Right. And then they have, they have like... Every single EK9. Right. Version. Yeah. Or they have ah, the, the Mazda ah. de Mio, the Mazda de Mio with a sunroof, the Mazda de Mio with, <laughs> exactly. I don't know, heated seats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of Corvettes, good transition there, bud. I also have a maxed out, for the American side, I have a maxed out Corvette uh, went with the ZR1C7 because I thought Aye. it looked better than the C6. Aye. And it's currently pushing, I, I don't know, I, it had more ponies at the gate. And I was like, whatever, whatever. There's a lot of I ponies. It's a lot of ponies. Look, both, both of them look cool. I, I'll probably buy both of them. Corvettes are my favorite American car. Um, so I've got one with now with a thousand horsepower. I took it around Daytona to be a true American and, uh, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, and then recently now I'm going to the Euro side and I switched to Porsches. And as I was talking to you guys recently, it's just completely different for me to drive being like the whole F1, the clean racing line. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. So I'm, I'm learning still, even at this stage, which is pretty awesome. So that's kind of what I've spent my week doing, uh, car wise. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about how to fix that porsche oversteer someday we'll yeah get there. we'll get there someday we'll get to maybe <laughs> okay guys let's talk about the gtr specifically lenny's gtr uh hear about well, not really mine well like... yeah so i um took a snowboard trip i'm a i'm a avid snowboarder like a few people in our friend group um and I took Me a trip. Included. Yep, Lenny included. And I took a trip the to Viking better. Whatever. Oh, they're both uh, awesome. There's no better. They're both sick. No, me and my me and my homie ex roommate Jackie. Me and her. She lives in Virginia Beach, and we both flew out to Sacramento. And uh, I met Mister Zero Lift Friday night. We got heinously drunk on mezcal. Um, yeah. 
and which bottle I'm polishing off right now. Man, this we is the almost... official drink of Zero Lift, I feel like. You know what? I'm okay with count. that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm totally okay with that. I'm totally I'm okay gonna, with that. I'm gonna hook that's hey, Y'all, I don't care what brand you drink. Just drink Mezcal. The official drink is Zero Lift. Drink responsibly. Don't yeah. don't Zero Lift. That's right. And also drink Mezcal. Don't, don't drink and drive unless you're in a sim rig, in which case that's a blast. But uh... yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Recommended. Um, Got to be responsible here, folks. Yeah, so I did... I did uh, Two days at Kirkwood and one day at Heavenly out in the Tahoe area. But before that, I spent a night with Mrs. Zero Lift and oogled over his GTR, which, you know, we used to run. We used to run routes. We used to do the toge back in Japan land. And I have not seen yep. you since we both moved to the States. And, well, we did the math. Like, it's like six years. Six years. Yeah. yeah. Six um, years. And wow. last, we saw each other. last time I saw your skyline, it was Bayside Blue. And you yep. recently repainted it to, hold on, KH1? TH1. TH, damn it. Uh, you're damn. at me about championship wide. Jeez Louise. Which, keep, <laughs> which for those who are not uh, keeping track, it means it's uh, dark blue pearl, dark, dark midnight blue pearl metallic. Yeah. It's like changed colors based on the light, basically. It's like a... No, uh... It's a really dark uh, blue, like a navy blue. It's like uh. it's like a shade away from purple. It's not purple. It's just a super super dark blue. I have a feeling it'll end up on Instagram for the post. So, which and you guys can check sure. us out at Zero Lift Podcast on Instagram or Twitter. And just you know, just bragging about my boy Lenny, you painted it yourself, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Wow, dude, that's yeah. awesome! Wow, yeah, took the doors that's really off. Cool. I took the, all the glass out, minus the three-quarter uh, rear glass, which I regret. It's just I couldn't, for whatever reason at the time, I couldn't uh, come to bear paying an extra like six hundred bucks for that for the new glass. But I, and now they're like thirty-two hundred bucks. So oh my god! Oh, wow! It's, just, it's a less a life lesson for anybody out there listening. Ah, I'm so glad uh, all my glass is in good shape. It's not that the, the glass is not in good shape. It's just that like the rubber moldings are now thirty two years old, and so like they've taken some weather. Yeah. Uh, versus all the other glass that I had to take out regardless, and now they all have new weather stripping and molding. And so, uh, thankfully, it's not so uh, weathered out. Um, but it's just something that I know uh, of, and I guess now everybody who's listening knows. So. <laughs> Oh man! But yeah, I, yeah, I did everything myself. It was great. Uh, it, it took me like a month and a half over Saturdays and Sundays after work, or you know. Wait, so did you use a? You didn't use a paintbrush, did you? Use like a spray can because don't you usually spray cars typically. Yeah, you spray to paint them. Yeah, right. I, I right. use a spray gun. No. Uh, so you, uh... the the longer story of all this is that I used to work at a Japanese uh, body shop, paint and body shop, and so. That's what I yeah, did for a living for a while. Yeah. Japan. So, and so cool. before I left yeah. Japan, I, I commissioned Lenny to put some carbon fiber and in one bits on my car. He worked at an actual body shop. He did actual paint jobs and all that. And he did a great job fixing some. I had a couple scratches and dings that he color matched over. And, bro, I can't even remember where the scratches were because the, the paint is matched so well. So kudos to that um there's a couple double-sided tape mounts that i want to redo 
but you know, that's, what are you going to do? Like the factory used double-sided tape, which I was never really a fan of, but, um, it's also not very strong. Yeah. But, uh, I know on my N1 spoiler, you reinforce it with some screws and that's holding strong. So, yep, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was, you know, the paint looks terrific. Um, I don't know why, but one of the things that sticks out to me the most, granted, I was probably, I was probably like one, one and a half sheets to the wind. I wasn't quite two sheets to the wind when we were looking at your car. Um, yeah, I think it was around one o'clock in the when we did Bro, that. <laughs> we stayed up until 5 a.m. Cali time and I came from the East Coast. Wow. I don't know how we did it. The funny thing is we were taking pulls off that bottle and I didn't feel anything until you were like, well, I'm going to bed. And then I stood up and went to my bed and i was just like oh no <laughs> you were in the yeah, zone we like three three quarters of that bottle we went through i didn't that feel the... anything dude that <laughs> that happened to me man like that's seriously like that happens to me all the time where it's like you're in the zone you're locked in and like you're in the simmer and drinking and then you're like okay it's time for bed and you lay down and you're like oh no oh yeah like <laughs> don't forget those two stouts that we drank at university of oh my god oh, yeah man. yeah we're doing stouts i guess it's still winter i'm it's a not stout season no anymore. that's what i do Johnson man stout i'm a stout like i'm a wheat amber red stout guy yeah. i don't do ipas i don't really like pilsners <clears throat> that much i'll do pilsners but i don't really like them that much i'm a i'm a heavy beer guy yeah, yeah, IPA is where it's at, though, but that's gross. Nice. I could only do like one stout a night, and so I chose uh, an Old Rasputin. Old Rasputin, uh, yeah, on point. The are good. I, that's the thing, though, is like stouts and and uh, those ales, man. Uh, like your third so browns. Mm. I, mm. The coffee beers and like the brownie beers, they're just so just even Guinness, just, right? The just, flatness of them. The just, flatness of them compared to like the hoppiness of an IPA is no. so drastically different. It just tastes like a warm hug, and an IPA tastes like getting punched in the face. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, it does. And and that's the thing. I agree with you. I prefer to drink alcohol that punches me in the face because it reminds me I'm drinking alcohol. Okay, first of all, I'm sitting here <laughs> recording with you guys, taking pulls off of the bottle from the head of bourbon. So don't talk to me about punches in the face. I just don't like beer that makes me hate myself <laughs> okay. look man look man it's like it's like drinking a pilsner and eating a pine cone i love it it's the best all right so uh, let's get back, back to the topic let's get back to the gtr John, what <laughs> did my gtr still smell like japan when you sat in it you know it kind of did it, it, it whisked me away in a in a way i think we I think we talked about that's this. something that's something that's come with the car that I like. I, I'm very proud of. Like it has this it's always had this very Japanese smell. I don't know. It's maybe just mildew or mold. Does it <laughs> smell like <laughs> blossoms. Like what does Japan smell like? What like rose? Blo- no, like, I you know, one thing oh, I did me. notice, one thing I did notice and, and I wanted to comment on was that Lenny and I's philosophy to like our cars is fundamentally different and this might be kind of fanboy lame shit but like sure. my car for instance is the interior is very clean it, there's really nothing going on uh i replaced the gauge panel and the cd player with a seven inch android auto touch screen i replaced the instrument cluster with a you know big digital dash and that's it there's nothing else in my interior I stepped okay. in Lenny's car and he's got 
the turbo timer, the freaking boost controller. Uh, he's got like two or three other boxes in there, and he's got like the rear floor brace by Duluc, and it's like very JDM. Yep. <laughs> he's got the Nismo shift knob. Like I, I Duluc bought is the only company that makes that too. Yep, I bought a leather shift knob that was weighted, but it looks like it could have been factory in the car. You got the white Nismo knob, and so it's yep. it's very like. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make my car masquerade as like a modern performance, you know, like a like my inspirations like a CTSV or a 911 GT3 or something like that and you are going like straight JDM tuner boy style. So is is Lenny's stance then does that make him stance? No. Stance is stance is a function of your wheels and tires. Sure. That's it. Okay. That's it. That's it. What I'm saying is like Lenny's car is built like and looks like a car that you would have bought from a Japanese tuner company in the 90s. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Which makes sense because he worked at a, a paint and body work yeah. in Japan. My, I mean, that makes sense. My and car. I, and as a kid, I saw the 32 race around racetracks. Yeah. And so like that's makes how sense. they look. That's what I like. My car, yeah. by contrast, is a like make this car modern and practical at all costs and don't chase any kind of style. Simple. Well, it is that my car is actually more complex, but the execution looks simpler. Your interior is more complex than Lenny's. No, 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 no. The work that goes into it is more sure. complex, but it looks simpler because when you exactly. step in my car, you have two seven inch screens. That's it. There's nothing else in the. Do you have more of a sleeper approach almost? I have four different gauges, not including the main cluster, plus a boost, uh, a separate boost gauge. That's like a that's like a hallmark of old JDM shit is having like just gauges everywhere. It's not it's not a lot of gauges. It's not a lot of gauges. Uh, There's only one like really auxiliary outside of like a built cluster gauge in my car. Um. And I think that's fuel pressure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So my question is, everything John, else is integrated within the center, within the console. What's that? With what? Lenny's, just three there. Lenny's GTR, do you kind of diagnose his problem so we could, we could get this thing driving again? Well, Lenny's got a current leak issue and that's what's causing his battery to drain. Now, me and him were drunk and didn't have a multimeter, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, come on, everybody has a multimeter when they're drunk, John. I mean, I have two, but that's my garage. Um, um, I have one. Come on. What, I mean, what he needs to do is just put the freaking, put, set his multimeter. And granted, I'm telling you advice on a podcast live while I'm drunk, but he needs to put his multimeter into current mode, put it on the battery terminals, and see what the parasitic loss is. Something yep. is leaching power from his battery. I did that with my minivan, actually. So if I could do it with my Honda Odyssey, oh, shit. you can do it with your GTR. Oh, shit. Newbie's calling you out, bro. Where? I literally did. I put a multimeter because I had a battery die, and I put a new one on, and then I, I tested it when I put the brand-new battery on. I saw what the parasitic loss was, basically, to see if the uh, automatic doors uh, was causing parasitic loss or if there was any sort of other lights doing parasitic loss. Come on. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do. Okay. Challenge accepted. 
Come on. I did it on a Honda Odyssey. You can do it on hey, a GTR. Hey, man, call me if you need advice. I'm here for you, big dog. C- call him for the advice. Just saying. But, like, it's possible. Thanks. So is that, the, is that the only main issue with your GTR? Is just the battery issue then? No, there's still the power steering rack leaking from a place that it shouldn't, and that needed to be replaced. Then yeah. axle rebuilds. I also have so power I- steering fluid leaking on my Odyssey. Mm. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, I, with the Odyssey, it's drivable, and I can just keep throwing more fluid in it. And it's a slow enough leak that like it's manageable. Here's it. I mean, yeah, I can do that on a GTR. I just choose not to, so I'm just an idiot. Too slow to do anything. But we'll get there. We'll We'll get get there there. soon. We'll get there. What are we talking about? Let's get get to what we're actually talking about tonight. Yeah, speaking of getting there. Let's get there with that. Uh, Let's talk about, is it a Ferrari? Is it a Maserati? Old school, been around forever. Let's talk about Maserati, a brand. Literally forever, almost. Literally forever. Yeah. So we thought this would be an interesting topic just because Maserati is a pretty complex brand, and I don't think anybody that's like not a really deep, deep car enthusiast kind of realizes it just because of what they tend to put out today doesn't really doesn't really betray where they came from. We right. call that accurate. Regardless of where you are. Yeah. I mean, East Coast, West Coast, Oak Coast are still rare by most standards, right? Well, I mean, Maserati's a... always been like a coach builder, sort of sorts. Yeah. You know, in the old but, fashioned sense of the way. You know, back in the day, and people don't realize this because I would say, is it fair to say, and we're not necessarily taking a hard line chronological approach, we're just kind of talking about feelings, right? Um, but <laughs> exactly what? Well, nowadays. Yeah, but... Maserati is kind of known for taking Ferrari engines ish and then providing like a luxury kind of sedan kind of experience with a little bit uprated semi exotic kind of engine. You know, you get a little noise, you get a little acceleration, um, you get a little Italian flair, but it's mostly a Luxo car. It's a, you know, what I, what I would call a rapper car. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, so as a, as, as a guy yes, who doesn't know about stuff. cars, uh, for me, my, that's why I keep asking, is it a Ferrari? Because to me, as far as I knew, it was like they took – it's almost like Alfa Romeo in uh, Ferrari, right? It, or in F1. They take the Ferrari engine, but yeah. they have their own chassis. Mm-hmm. It's the similar type of thing, but on the luxury car side. Because, like, Ferraris are luxury cars, yes, but, like, they're not, like – luxury luxury sedany sort of stuff but they're just using this kind of italian ideology towards a different chassis and interior right that's what i think of Maserati is. and i would there, go ahead their association with ferrari is only like in recent memory it's correct only like in the last 20 years sure Very correct and yeah. i would say uh ryan i think your current synopsis is correct but the history may shock you if we go full click let's go um, <laughs> so I mean, Maserati came from the Maserati family, right? It was a bunch yeah. of bros, um, five brothers, yeah, out of uh, Bologna, Bologna, John, Bologna, Bologna, yeah, Bologna, Bologna, Italy, five bros, five bros, yeah. and I believe it was 1909 was when the company was first founded, um. Well, I'm sorry. I think I think Maserati was actually founded in 
1914. Established December 1st, 1914. Right. Yes. So the the Maserati started a car company in 1909, but it wasn't the Maserati we know now. Um, Okay. Those of you that are history buffs may know, oh my God, the whole world went to war like right after they founded their company. So the Maserati bros were actually doing industry type shit and producing stuff for the Italian army in world war one. They kind of put their car ambitions on hold and they actually designed a new type of spark plug. So back in the way back. I'm going deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I didn't even know that. Let's go, John. Let's go. So look, Let's pull this out of dude. Brent, man, yeah, yeah, you know. Just spark plugs <laughs> spark plugs nowadays. Look, listen. Spark plugs nowadays oh, have a porcelain body. It's a porcelain insulator. And anybody that never used a spark plug socket to change their plugs and snapped one off knows why this is problematic. But the porcelain insulates the outside of the spark plug from electricity and allows the electricity to flow smoothly through the core, through the middle of the spark plug to the combustion chamber back in the dizzy they didn't insulate spark plugs it was just a piece of metal chunked into an engine and i don't know if maserati i didn't go deep enough to know if they like literally invented it but during the war they developed a spark plug that was insulated with a mineral called mica and they provided that to the italian army which made their trucks and biplanes and stuff a lot more reliable because they weren't suffering. I was going to ask for the aircraft. Yeah, it was mainly aircraft, but they weren't suffering yeah. ignition failures like a lot of cars at the time. The primary failure of cars in the early 1900s was ignition issues. And so this mica-insulated spark plug they developed helped to alleviate a lot of these issues. Do you know where where that uh, their concept really originated from? I'm just looking it up over here. I d- I didn't so go that deep. On Duck, 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 it's actually from their GT racing uh, days of where they originated from right before the war started. No kidding. And so like that, so Maserati was uh, the Maserati boys like were always uh, a speed comp like a speed family. Right. Like where they come from in Italy is uh, a very curvaceous sort of terrain. And so in the early lines. 1900s, there's a lot of squealing lines uh, developing, you know, uh, roads from horse carriages to the automobile. And so from there, you know, races and the, you know, the hill climb and the toge, things that we've covered in past episodes on this uh, podcast sort of developed there and they became a very prominent and well-known family within it. And so like, I'm, that's where uh, their technique had originated. Well, um, you know they, what? They industrialized it for the war effort. And that's, that's a good point. Awesome tidbit, but a point that like, as far as a takeaway, the thing a lot of people don't realize is that Maserati in its beginnings was like, F you, we build race cars just as hardcore as Ferrari was. And like, it's only relatively recently that they became a, you know, quote, pedestrian car company. They were like, race cars, fuck everybody else, we make race cars. And that was their whole shtick, just like Ferrari. Um, 
So I yep. find it ironic that they basically make, you know, Luxo road-going Ferrari drivetrain cars nowadays. Well, they've always sort of been this coach builder type of uh, outfit. And when I mean like coach builder, anybody who's uh, acquainted with the term in like a car sense, it's, uh, I think, a very small private company that makes a certain amount of cars in a certain amount of years. Like they're very limited in their capacity. And so they just limit their production to be more exclusive is what they're trying to get at. And and so that, that drives their... Um, Yep. They're sort of demand up. And and that's what Maserati started out as with uh privateer GT racers and what they are, they are now, really. Though yep. now they're they're trying to be more global to be I honest, can skip right. forward accidentally a little bit in years here. Yeah, when yeah. I think of early Maserati, one name comes to mind for me. What's that? Juan Magno Fangio. Well, that's that. Well, hold on. I don't. I don't want to go that far forward yet. We're we're going to be skipping over a lot of stuff. We're going to get to Fangio. I'm just saying that's for me when you're talking like old school Maserati before. Because for me, Ferrari was afraid of Maserati, and that's why they kept an eye on him. Is what it seems like. That seems like an Enzo thing. Uh, Ferrari and Maserati (laughs) had a bitter rivalry. Like just like get to that. It's like yep. Lamborghini, but they but Maserati never built tractors. Is that correct? Correct. They build tractors. No. Okay. So well, yeah. So this this kind of goes back to to the the inception of all of this, right? And so in in John again, Bologna, Bologna, yep. Bologna, yep. In Bologna, Bologna, that's a certain area, a certain town in Italy. And then there's also Modena, uh, which is think just the, your next town over, people, right? Thirty the next, minutes. Right. Yeah. And like, what if uh, each town had a racing family, right? And they were really prominent and big in it, and everybody supported them. That's what it what it was like, right? And then you have Lamborghini in the back, uh, you know, in the background as a third party building his own, you know, racing family, and and so like everybody knows everybody else, right? Well, and they're all competitive within each other yeah and that's is, is what it, it ends up being in the 70s and 80s we'll get to well that's the thing though is that so in italy you have this little region called the motor valley and that is where pretty much all italian motorsports comes from it's kind of nuts and maserati was originated in bologna and mm-hmm. Modena is about 45 minutes up the road they're both in motor valley ferrari's from Modena. Um, Denia, Modena, whatever. Uh, Bologna. You're the Italian here, Modena. man. That's like me mispronouncing. I'm like, like I'm like barely an Italian, but what I'm saying is, Maserati comes from Bologna. Ducati comes from Bologna. Um, MV Agusta on motorcycles. I can't remember which city, but they're from Motor Valley. Lamborghini comes from that area. Ferrari comes from that area. So like all of these household names come from this little region. Really from there? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there is a bitter rivalry between Modena and Bologna, even though they're 45 minutes up the road. This is like a Jersey and New York City thing. It's like a Jersey, New York City thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's Absolutely. fair. That's fair. 100%. So like a Queens and Long Island thing. Well, Shout but, out to Ken. But here's the thing. You're, you're here's the, the Come see me, son. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that's unique about Maserati is they're from both. 
right? Interesting. So they They're were the only one. Yeah. So they were originally founded in Bologna and did all their war stuff. And they made their first car in 1926. That was the Tipo 26. And then in 29, they made the 16 cylinder V4. Like, this is what I like about super old cars is they were rad. Like, the old Maseratis had, had all the cylinders. Yeah. The old Maseratis were inline eight cylinders with superchargers. And then the V4. V16s. Their V4 was a V16. It was literally two inline eights put together. Um, it's so gnarly. It's so gnarly. It's insane. Um, and they're just the, the the long body front end on these cars. It's just nuts. Yeah, they had a uh, the V. Yeah, it's the, all engine and four wheels. Right. That's it. The uh, <laughs> the V4 16 cylinder set a land speed record of 246 kilometers per hour, which, if my math is right, is like 160. Unsafe. Yeah, it's not an American. Like 150. That's a 1929. Oh, boy. That's a 1929. Jeez. No airbags, no seatbelt, no anything. Like, it didn't even have a roof. Car. Looks like an F1 car. It kind of does. It kind of does. And this is not great radio, but yeah, it's. Yeah, sorry. I'm showing. No, I'm, I'm showing them a picture of the Instagram. You'll see it on the Zero Look podcast. It's literally people, just a, a huge V16 engine with an aluminum body with side exit exhaust, four wheels, and maybe two seats and a steering wheel uh, at the front of the rear tires. And that's, that's it the 16-cylinder made. That's the tires. Maybe some, maybe some glass for the windshield. <laughs> I don't know if it has windshield. The, t- the tires back then were a joke. Let's a be joke. Honest. An like, absolute like- joke. They're like 29ers. They're like they're like the size of bike tires, mountain bike tires today. Right. And like, that they're <laughs> that V16, that V16 made 300 horsepower in 1929. Wild. And that's Maserati. That's insane. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. So in 37 they didn't, they didn't stuff. In 37, the Maserati Bros they got bought out. Yeah, they sold their company to Adolfo Orsi and he was from Modena. And so Modena. Say what, it right, Modena, Modena, whatever. Uh, so anyway, Brazilians correcting you, John. So the the trident is from a statue in downtown Bologna. The colors are the Bologna colors, but Maserati has been based out of Modena since 1937. That's where they basically the New been. York Jets or something, dude. This is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And so in the late 30s, Maserati got invited to the Indianapolis 500. And won. Mm-hmm. They won in Twice. in the U.S. Um, Twice. Yeah, they're gnarly as f, dude. Actually, the only Italian manufacturer to do so to this date. That record stands. Because Ferrari never did, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, and then, from like forty to forty-seven, no. the whole country went on vacation. Literally, nothing happened from nineteen forty to forty-seven. Nobody did anything. Um, nothing happened. Yeah, no, everybody stayed home and they relaxed and nothing happened in the 40s. Um, there was nothing weird. It was weird. like an early coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was yeah. nothing Precursor. weird going on. Oh, jeez. Um, That's an understatement. <laughs> um, but I meant then, that jokingly, people. But yeah, but, yeah, then yeah. In, but then in 47, after everybody was done taking their nap, um, they designed their first road-going car. Okay. And that was the A6 so they- 1500. They had been around for 30 years almost, plus, yeah. before they, had, they designed yeah, a road, road car. Had not made a road car. They were just a racing company. How legit is that? Wow. Wow. Can I, can I just go back 
just a little bit What's to that? the time where they were taking a nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's during that time, nap time, uh, Maserati was dreaming up of a V sixteen sort of luxury cruiser. Um, uh. At the time, and they almost pulled it off if it wasn't for them waking up from that snap. <laughs> I was going to say, in general, outside of just Maserati, but it, as a whole, around this time is when, did, it was, or it was a little bit later when like the V16s and the like V14 blocks, we've all, re- they started reducing yeah. the, at the, around this time after, after the nap, right? I would say right. the 50s, the 50s okay. is when. Yeah, they, they became more reasonable. Not to get too soapboxy, but there's a lot of God. negative harmonics <laughs> in a straight cylinder. In a straight crankshaft beyond about a six-cylinder, you induce a lot of negative harmonics, and you have an issue where the crankshaft actually bows in the middle. Um, and that's why the inline eight fell out of favor. We Okay, we're going to have a soapbox for you about old-school engines every day. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. You're like, I'm not going to soapbox yet. You are. Uh, okay, so we're out of nappy time. Can we talk about Fangio now? Because this is I think, no, I think yeah, we're, I think we're at to Fangio yes. now. Yes. Um, so into the 50s, right? So they make the first road going car in the 40s. Now we get into the 50s. Um, there's, they're still racing. They're still racing. They're making some gangster cars. Um, mm hmm. The 250F, which is, in my opinion, one of the prettiest cars ever. Um, so Juan Manuel Fangio was driving for Maserati, and he was a gangster. I mean, a legend. I don't think there's any other way to put it. Um, it's like Lewis Hamilton, but cool. <laughs> no comment. Okay. I would say that Lewis Hamilton is pretty cool. He drives an F1 car. He has. I'm not trying to. Seven time uh, uh, no, he's he's, no. A, he's right. literally Listen, as as, a knight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna no. have to, he's literally you know, a knight. I'm gonna hijack this. I'm gonna hijack okay. this right now. As much as a Max Verstappen fan as I am, we cannot n- not acknowledge the fact that Lewis Hamilton is one of the coolest people on earth. He drives an F1 car for a freaking living man. Look, he's a knight. Get it? So is Ringo Starr. Okay, so. I mean, I'm uh, taking a little not, bit objective. I'm not taking anything away from Ringo. Neither am I. Ringo is one of the best drummers of all time. Also, no, no. He's one of the best drummers of all time. Don't make me soapbox about music. I, I will tangent like John, but worse. We don't want that. Listen, you, you, can, you can hate Lewis Hamilton all you want, but like you have to. No, I don't, no, no, I don't cool hate Lewis Hamilton. Look, look, look. He's a little bit too eclectic for me with his Met Galas and pink stuff and. He's just look. Okay, I prefer boomer. Kanye's type. Oh, all right, boomer. No, no, I prefer Kanye's type of realism versus Lewis Hamilton's artsy. You want to talk about eclectic? Kanye yeah. is an abusive cuck. All right, I said it. Yes, Frank he is. Lloyd. Frank Lloyd yeah. Wright was also eclectic, but he's one of the greatest architects of all time to this day. And so, like, what are you gonna talking say about, about architecture that? now, folks? We've gone from cars to music <laughs> to architecture. You're welcome. Yeah. Let's get back to Fangio. Surprise. Surprise. Awesome Lenny's actually sort of an architect buff. I love that shit. Not surprised. Well, we should have you soapbox about <laughs> car architecture at some point. All right. Uh, so all right. Let's, let's talk about Fangio and Maserati. <laughs> yeah. So Fangio, Jeez. Fangio's a gangster. And I think, I think this is poetic. <laughs> Y'all still laughing. No, I think this is poetic because Fangio wins the Formula One World Championship 
in a Maserati. It's the second time that Maserati's won Formula One. It's Fangio's fifth title, right? That, it was in 1957, and that is the last time that Maserati will race officially until the 2000s. It's, and wow. it's crazy, the story. Do you know the, the real story or the story well, behind it? Well, here's the thing, oh, is I couldn't find, and you know, you, you're welcome to combat me on this. I, I couldn't I find an official, like, this is what happened. I found a lot of speculation. You know, I think it's pretty official. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I guess it would be speculation, but there's a lot of correlation between events that happened and Maserati never racing again, and that would be the Guidozzo, 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 Guidozzo tragedy that happened in '57 as well. So that's nuts. That's what that what we're talking about. The Guitazolo tragedy is nuts. So it was a Ferrari. Yeah. It was a Ferrari. It's a Ferrari accident. Yeah, it was racing during the Milli Mig- Miglia, right? F- yep. Famous historical race. This Ferrari yep. on like one of the main straights. I think he was going. How fast was he going? Two fifty k. Two hundred and fifty kilometers an hour. So like one hundred and sixty miles yes. an hour. So about one hundred and fifty. Okay. His tire bursts. Mm-hmm. loses control oh. car goes airborne slams into a crowd of spectators kills mostly a, children yeah kills 11 people including five children the oh. the body of the driver was split in half and found in two completely separate locations like it was just absolute carnage horrendous yeah. so this is group b this is group B before group B type of stuff. So the, I would say the minimal safety standards that group B had is because of this crash. Wow. It's only because of this crash. So like there was at least like some more distance or the, the road of stages was uh, the minimal width was widened, you know, or whatever. So we account for all that. So some, but this s- is particularly why I'll, Maserati. Some this car. Well, some hit sources. The car, it, this is nuts. It hit the ground so hard that two of the dead children were hit by a concrete highway milestone. Yes, it ripped dude. from the ground. It ripped, uh, yeah. it ripped a concrete <laughs> stone from the ground, which hit two children. Like I couldn't. Whoa. I couldn't come up with a more offensive event that's, if I was trying to violent. offend someone. This episode has to be R-rated based on that. That's nuts. Yeah. So. I can't find any like sources that confirm this definitively, but what happened was is that motor racing underwent a lot of limitations and sanctions wow. in Italy after this. Some other sources I read stated that Maserati was in some financial eh, dire straits at the time. I personally okay. think that it's an amalgamation of issues. I think there was some governance that came after this event that made it more difficult to race or maybe more expensive. I think Maserati maybe had some financial problems. I think maybe the new ownership was a little bit more conservative. Whatever the case, Fangio wins Formula One and immediately Maserati announces they are no longer racing and they focus solely on passenger cars. Which 
Well, also, I, I, think, I think it has a lot of credence to what you said there, John, that it uh, it got too expensive and it harks back to the main point of Maserati being a coach builder in essence is that they weren't making a lot of cars every year. Yeah. And so like if racing got more expensive out of the blue and it got so prohibitively expensive, like it would be, you know, out of their class uh, quite quickly. Another point about this whole tragic car crash is that enzo ferrari actually was charged with yes. manslaughter yes he in, was in this yes. horrific event uh though it got dismissed few, in 1961 right so from 57 to 61 he was in trial for manslaughter uh and also the tire manufacturer well and, so and like just like a it should not wrongful be, death kind of thing it should not be forgotten that this played a key part in if any of you guys you know Ford versus Ferrari yep the whole battle between Enzo and the Ford GT40s exactly this is one of the key events that tarnished Enzo's image and this is one of the key events that led to Enzo making a deal with Ford ripping up the contract last minute because Enzo yeah. Enzo played this to his advantage because what happened was with this tragedy and a bunch of other things that were happening, people had started to view Enzo as a guy that was just sending racers to their deaths. And he played his relationship with Ford in such a way that he skewed the media to talk about how Ford was this American imperialist influence that was going to take over their pure Italian heritage. And so... Enzo was a villain for years, and then when he tore Man. up Ford's contract in their face and walked out and said, I'm Italian, he became a national hero again, and they forgot about all this old bullshit. And that's wow. the genesis of the whole Ford versus Ferrari oh, scandal. Freaking Enzo, dude. Never fails. So, mm-hmm. so, so Maserati, at, around this time in 957, puts out this 3500GT, 3, which I think looks pretty cool. Which is their first like ground up grand tour design? Is that correct? Yep. Yep. I, they yep. look cool. I like this. That that's a solid looking car. Absolutely, it's classy as all hell. I mean, yeah. It's it's got it. it doesn't really. Look, it almost looks. Am I wrong in this? Does it look British to me for some reason um, and not Italian? It kind no. of reminds me of an Aston Martin. Yeah. Okay. The same you. era. You that's know, what I was thinking. Now, okay. to me, it looks very much like the 50s ferraris like the super americas and, also looks okay, Ferrari, and yeah. stuff like that um but i i totally agree damn good looking car um but yeah so they 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 kind of like hey we're not racing anymore here's this new gangster car and then they focus on that and then you go into the 60s and they release the quattroport and the Ghibli, which are model lines that survive to this day. Oh. And it should be noted here, I just want to make a note here, that ownership of Maserati at this point has changed hands to Sintron. It's in the 60s. 60s. Yeah, in the 60s. Yeah. So the, Quattro, the Quattroporte is different than the... Uh, what is a. Uh, the Ghibli? Alfa Romeo's. No, Austria, oh. Alfa Romeo also has a Quattro of some sort because the four leaf. So, Oh, it's the four ports because isn't there ports on the side next to the engine or something? Uh, you're talking about the Quattrofolio. Okay, yeah. That's a different – Alfa Romeo is its own beast and we could do a whole yeah. episode on them. 
So, but the Quattroporte, I I love this car. I my opinion on it kind of waxes and wanes throughout the years. Um, well, there's better generations the, of it for sure. But I the this, design me, strategy of Maserati for me in the, from like the '60s to uh, just recently to the early 2000s, uh, it's questionable for me. I agree. I agree. Are you guys more of a, of the Ghibli then? I, now, so so for me, for me, I was never a big fan of the uh, Guigario, who was the so like before this, they had Pininfarina make a few of their designs, and I don't know if Pininfarina's ever made an ugly car. Quite frankly, um, have, speaking of which, I don't mean to steal the show here. Have you seen pictures of the A6 GSC Bratinelli Pininfarina? It is actually a Maserati. That Pina oh. made. I have not. It's one of the special Maseratis. It was uh, made in okay. 1954. It's a very special car. It was Folks. debuted at the Turing Motor Show. Actually, Ooh, no, that's a good. That, that yeah, I uh, have seen that. For being good radio, you guys can find a picture of this car on our Instagram I'll, post. I will also post a picture of this on our Instagram. Zero left by and Twitter. And yep. Twitter. Oh, he's even saying Twitter now. Excellent. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're dropping pictures and video on twitter now okay so anyway at it from the 60s on maserati starts introducing some of these lines that'll stick around for a while the the ghibli the quattroporte the bora and the uh and then in the 80s the biturbo i think the biturbo is worth mentioning because i think it was by far their most produced car in terms of numbers most like a mass produced shipbox car it does kind of i never particularly I mean that, liked them <laughs> dude so that's like, like a voxel or like that's like that's like anything from the 80s man that's like a mass-produced shipbox like very squarey very yeah no, that doesn't do it for me well here's a funny tidbit about the about the um the biturbo is it was uh sandro pertini the president of italy picked it as like his you know executive limousine and <laughs> So Maserati and Ferrari had a long-standing rivalry because they were from two competing cities in Motor Valley. They competed against each other on the racetrack. Even though Maserati had not been racing for 30 years, Enzo Ferrari had a meeting with the president of Italy and refused to walk out and greet him at his car because he was in a Maserati. Wow. <laughs> prima donna do you have and- to <laughs> Just Enzo level. And there, there's there, there's Kanye level, and then there's Enzo level, dude. Enzo, if y'all read about Enzo's life, he was another nut job. Just, yeah, yeah. He's, Maserati yep. has not been a race car force for thirty years, and the fucking president shows up in one of their cars, like, nope, you can meet me inside. I'm not walking out to shake your hand. It's like, I mean. We we really do need to do a Ferrari versus Ford episode just to show how much better Shelby is than uh, Enzo. But things things Maserati. I would say about '80s Maseratis is yeah. that it reminds me of the cars from GTA Grand Theft Auto Three, the first like fully three D game, pixelated and boxy. Yeah, yeah. It okay. looked like it looked like mob cars. They it looks yeah. like all the mob cars in that game. Okay, and okay, I guess in every sense. Grand Theft Auto game because it's stereotypical. <laughs> uh, but another thing to note here in the '80s and I guess in the '70s, uh, in '75, Maserati got bought by Di Tommaso, 
the other Italian yep. company. Yeah, yep. from the same area. So Di Tommaso, um, yep. very well known for the Pantera. Weird company. Awesome. Love Weird company. Love the Pantera though. Big fan. Big oh. fan. I just want to say, what a name for a car. It's just like screams excellent. What a name for a band. A. A. As Respect. well. Respect. Um, Walk. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and that so, like, hell, baby. D. Tommaso oh. buys Maserati in uh, August of 95. Uh, then, and it's like all through some shell companies. And, like, I just want to say, like, as the the person who loves 80s opulence yes. and all, all of the shadiness that happened there, like, the bot Di Tomasa buying Maserati as a sh- like from a shell company organization like three layers deep like it just screams, uh, drug money interlaced within auto market auto industry again. Um, Love it. Very similar to this is you know, this is folks. This is why Lenny's into NFTs. This is modern era sort of stuff going on with I'm with less not sketch. laundering less any money. Sketch. On it. Listen. No, let yeah, I agree. The less block, sketch. Blockchain is all transparent. Everybody can see my transactions. I report everything <laughs> to the IRS. I claim my taxes. That's kind of the beauty of it if I'm gonna give right. a quick second elevator pitch for blockchain. That you can't say that I'm corrupt because you can see it's, all my transactions. I'm saying it's the non-sketch version <laughs> of this, buddy. Come on. All right. Okay. Well hey, hey, okay. we got we gotta bring this home. So let's bring sure. it home. So all right. So we talked about so, how the rivalry yeah. was so bitter that Enzo wouldn't talk to the Italian president because he arrived into Maserati. But then, in 93, Maserati gets purchased by the Fiat Group, who at the time also owned Ferrari. And that is where the partnership that we understand today was born. Had Enzo passed at this point? Because if Enzo was alive and this happened... Is that what caused him to die? Uh, yeah, maybe. It was, I, mean, I think, did he die in? 70-something. Uh, no, not 70. He saw the Ferrari F40 built. It was 88. It was 88. 88. So he had been dead for five years. Yeah, okay. So, Prancing Horse and the Trident are sister companies at this point. Um, it wouldn't be till a few years later that you start seeing Maseratis with Ferrari engines. But I think this takes us to maybe the the big the big thing I want to talk about in the modern New chapter. Well, I was I was more talking about I mean, they came out with a 3200 GT. I thought that car was hideously ugly, so I didn't even want to talk about it, but <laughs> well, I kind of like the taillights, honestly. I just I mean it it made a lot and of I- a lot of car sucks, buzz. but I love the taillights. It made a lot of buzz. It had a Ferrari engine. I just thought it was ugly. It wasn't the best looking car. <laughs> I like their MC. Terrible though. I like their so, MC twenty. Well, so that's what I'm getting you know to. What? That's what I'm yes. getting to. But I just, I just want to <laughs> say, uh, uh, just here on the 3200 GT, uh, the taillights. I think we're a little ahead of their time because if you look Jeez. at taillights now. Uh, all they are is an LED strip. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's basically what that was. Yeah, oh, yeah, folks. Yeah. In case you didn't catch it earlier in the episode, Lenny did work at a body shop. He likes taillights. I like all. I like all things car. Anything. Um, I mean, I, I also, an, another thing on this on this um, sort of model of, of Maserati, I have actually a personal connection to one of these. Uh, okay. 
back in the early 2000s, I think it was like my second year at uh, UConn, that's the University of Connecticut, those paying attention. Uh, I was at an internship at uh, some finance consulting firm, firm, whatever. Anyway, the boss drove one of these. And so I always saw him, I always saw it in the garage and I always kind of like, ooh, wow, that's Maserati. Like I, you don't see those like that. At least it's rare. <laughs> yeah. But at the time I knew that it was a depreciating piece of you're, you're you're around New York City and like East Coast popular and Maseratis are rare. Now you live on the West Coast, Maseratis are rare, and no coast Maseratis are rare. Yeah, That's what I'm saying they've always They're, been a rare car. Like, uh, and it harks back to their coach builder, um, sort of days. Look, let's talk about hey, you can't. Exclusive. We can't talk about Maserati without talking about the race winner. Ryan, what'd you say? What'd oh, you yeah. Say? What's it called? What's it called, girl? MC20. The MC20, baby. No, 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 no. It's no, wait. The MC12 is the race winner. Thank you. Guys. The MC12. The MC20 yes. is their new one. So, Correct. So the it's MC. Concept. The Ryan. MC12. The co- oh, I'm sorry. My bad. We can't, we can't talk about concept See, cars. Ryan fooled me all because I, I am a little sauced right now. And he said MC20, and I'm like, yep, sounds good. Um, it's Maserati Corsa for those, and it's the 12. I messed it up because this is the 2020 concept. Yeah, yeah the yeah, actual the race winner is the MC12 GT1. So look, in the there 2000s, in the 2000s, for the first time since 1957, Maserati, with their partnership in Ferrari, came out with the MC12, a hypercar, and they took that bish racing. Mm-hmm. And they won Le Mans, what, five times? Wow. Very, very successful. Just dominated. It was basically a modified Ferrari Enzo. And, like, when you say modified, like, it was the suspension, the engine, the bodywork, the aero. Like, it was very much removed from what is uh, an Enzo, though it kind of had those same... I guess basic essential underpinning. Like running gear, so like the engine was from an successful, Enzo. Successful. It's a sex it's actually a successful and good racing car, unlike the Ferrari Enzo. Well here's the thing. Yes. Here's and here's what I think is so peculiar and interesting about this is that Ferrari, you know, Scuderia Ferrari, rich racing history, most winningest brand in the world in sports car racing and Formula One racing. And then, scooter like Ferrari comes out with the Enzo. Maser- they don't seriously race it. They don't really campaign the Enzo at all. Maserati takes it, modifies it, and goes and whips ass. And Maserati is the company that makes passenger cars. That's weird right. to me. <laughs> Does anybody else find that weird? A little bit. <laughs> it's all. It's like they always had a truck like- car. They're like, we're gonna just wait. Right. I like that. We I like see everything that Ferrari's doing, and like we're just gonna wait. And in our contract, it allots us like this one car that we're able to build and really take away from everything that Ferrari is making. And, and they chose it to be the Enzo. Yeah, you know, they, just... and they even use the engine basically because they use the the longitudinally mounted sixty five. The engine's the same. Engine. The monocoque yeah. chassis is the same. The suspension is different. So what do they the do? Aero bodywork is different. Ferrari, what did they do to rub Enzo's grave? Well, they modified the, the engine. 
they modify the engine, the, the suspension, are better, the, the suspension is better, the, the arrow, arrow is better. yeah. It's it's but different. Like, you, guys you, like, the you guys are like you guys are like almost the road like going version. Like it's so it's great. You guys it's are delayed great. jinxing each other, and it's fantastic. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. So we have this MC12, which completely crushes it with what they are given. So it sounds like Maserati is a brand that knows how to excel at what they're given. Very limited sort of stylings. Um, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Sorry. Okay. I'm to cut you off here. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to Kanye you again. <laughs> hey, man. I'd rather be T-Swift than Kanye West. Uh, um, in in 2006, Maserati upped the ante on the MC12. Okay. And they made uh, a Vergine Corsa, which is better than the GT1 racer winner. And they oh. made it just for some privateer, private customers who wanted a track-only, not re- legal, sort of MC12 ultimate track day version. And, like, wow. I'm going to have to definitely post this on all of our socials because it's, like, just a wicked-looking car. It's got 755 horsepower, naturally aspirated V12. Ooh. Right. Uh. Oh, that's got to sound uh. so good. Uh. It weighs... That's- 2,500 pounds. Sound amazing. Wow. Okay. 124 kilometers an hour or 124 miles an hour. Excuse me. Wow. 124 miles an hour. Zero to 124. 6.4 seconds. Dang. Okay. That's hella fast. So, yeah. That thing is wicked. Hey, just, just to bring this puppy home, since the MC12, Maserati, for some reason, stepped away from racing after that. And they've pretty much pumped out versions of the Gilby and the Quattroport and the SUV. I don't even remember the name of because I hate it. Office um, over should die, folks. Um, and, you know, basically cars you've heard about in Rick Ross songs. Boss. Um, yeah. But now they are about to release the MC20, which is an updated version, essentially, of the MC12. And they're announcing an all-electric version. So some of that hyper sports car lineage lives on. I got to say, it's hard for me to get excited about rank-and-file Maseratis in, you know, modern era. Um, But they, they, they maintain just enough freak sauce pixie dust that they every now and then come out with a real world beater. That uh, right. it's just a brand I kind of keep my eye on, even though their normal cars they turn out to me are just like, eh, don't care. But then when they do it, they really do it. And so, how to. yeah, sure. it seems like that Maserati has had a magic throughout the years that has stuck around somehow throughout the Italian fiasco of meltings and mergers and third-party NFT stuff back in the 70s. (laughs) And it survived to this day. They rubbed ashes on Enzo's grave after he had passed away and used his engine and said, you know what, we'll take what you did and do it better. Won a bunch of races. And now they're kind of like, they're still rare. Like, it's hard to see them pretty much anywhere. But they're classy. They look good. And they may or may not have power. That's kind of what I understand from Maserati. 
Enzo's death might have allowed them in their contract to be able to do that with the Enzo and the MC12. I 100% 100 believe there's some truth to that. Yeah. Tinfoil hat on there, but, you know. Tinfoil hat, a little bit of that. So Maserati is a pretty cool brand. You won't see them very often. Should you buy one? It really costs you. There's probably something better. Uh, (laughs) It's not a Ferrari. It's a Maserati. Now, you said you have a topical car for today's game of 20 questions. Uh, What you wish you were driving besides your GTR. Uh, So let's take it away. John, you want to give us the rules and then Lenny, give us a hint and then crack into it. All right, so we're about to play What I Wish I Was Driving. It's basically 20 questions, car edition. Uh, We can only ask yes only ask yes or no questions which Lenny responds to we can only guess the car once if we guess the wrong car the game is over it's 20 or 19 questions with the 20th question being the guess and Lenny is this car generational uh yes I'm gonna ask you to pick the exact car on this Ooh, we have Ooh, to pick the exact wow. this is gonna be tough all right this is gonna be rough so with that exact Leonard let the questioning begin Topical. Is this car Italian? Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. Just, just want to make sure we're topical for realsies. <laughs> uh, Lenny, is this... No, I'm not going to ask that. Um, is this car a Ferrari? Yes. Oh, jeez. Right. Oof. We're, we're dialed in, John, but we have to get the exact car. Yeah, I know. Um, no, he probably picked like the Enzo Ferrari or something like that. Yeah, that's what that's I'm kind of very, thinking. Um, that's a very specific car. They only would, like they only had one generation of that, right? Yeah, Lenny, was this car manufactured after 2000? Yes. Oh man. We're narrowing it down quick here with Ferrari because they don't make that many cars. No, they do not. Uh, Lenny, did this car have a V12? No. Ooh, okay. That just threw me for a loop. Well, that would give us... It's Ferrari, so they... V12, V8s, and that's about it, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, they don't They don't go down to V4, inline, nope. turbocharged. Nope. Yeah. For the most part... They're pretty much 12 and 8. There's a few V6s out there. There's one or two. There's one or two. Is there a single Ferrari with a four-cylinder? Not that I know of. I don't think so. You'd have to go, like, way, 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 like, way back. But I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. Like, Um, tractor era. Okay. uh, Lenny, is this car a V8? Yes. Okay. And then, John, Ferraris are normally naturally aspirated, not turbo or supercharged, correct? Latest, like, brand spanking new ones have some turbos, but for the most part, they've always been in a. In a. Um, so after 2000. So. Lenny, was this car manufactured before 2010, original model year? Yes, before 2010, original model year. So we're in that pocket. This car was originally manufactured when we were in high school, I'm assuming. Um, so what do we have on posters? That doesn't leave a lot. A V8 Ferrari from 20 
to, from 2010. Um, mm. Okay. But LaFerrari, is that during this time or is that? That would be a V12. Okay. Um, Mister, I'm starting to ask some dumb questions to help you narrow it down. Are, um, are there not any Ferraris that go from productions of the 90s into the 2000s? Jeez. Well, I asked if it was produced after 2000. And you'd be correct. Oh, you okay. asshole. Uh, is the original manufacturing date of this vehicle before from 2000. the 90s? Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Is the original manufacturing date of this vehicle in the 90s? Yes. Asshole. I got you, John. <sighs> Thank you. You helped us. <laughs> it helped you. That narrows it down considerably. Like very considerably. Okay, there's, um, there's only gotta be like three out there, dude. This is like not a okay. Ford or a, like come on. Lenny was the particular car you're thinking of a hopped up specialized, we'll say maybe track special edition of a normal car? No. Oh, that just took my guess. So not track special. <laughs> Yeah, so Ryan, full disclosure, That's I was thinking... two think- loops in seven questions. Ryan, I was thinking of the uh, Ferrari 360 Challenge Stradale, um, okay. which is a hopped-up track... Cool. Sp- it's a track special version of the 360. Um, I don't know if Ferrari had any other V8s that spanned 2000 besides the 360. Uh... Unless Lenny's like really trying to screw us with a weird one. Um, uh, no, it's mid-engine. Yeah, it's Ferrari. Um, uh, Lenny, did this car feature a three-point-six liter V eight? Yes. Okay. Uh, Lenny, was this car a convertible? No. Okay, so it's not a spider. I don't know what other car it would have been. Lenny, did this car have the name of the city in which Ferrari is associated in the name? Yes. Oh... Lenny, does the name of this car also share the number of degrees in a circle? Yes. I do the math there. Yeah, there you go. John's uh, got narrow. John's narrowing it down. So it's not a spider. Decent. All right. Uh, Lenny, is this a normal model of Ferrari? It is. Okay. Uh, Ryan, I think I'm ready to shoot the J. I shoot the J. Lenny, is this a Ferrari 360 Modena? Modena. 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 Yes. Woo! Winner chicken dinner. <laughs> yes. It is a Ferrari 360 
Modena, uh, production from 1999 to 2004, 8,800 of the Modena's regular uh, coupes were made. It had a 3.6 liter V8 mid-engine, came in manual, and uh, a six-speed, what was called at the time, F1 automated manual, uh, yeah, which was I... the early paddle shifters. Which Ferrari started that stuff. I think they Third also... weight was uh, 3,200 think... pounds. I think they also had a gated manual as an option. They also had a gated ma- six-speed manual, yes. So I'm surprised yeah. you didn't... I, I thought for sure you would have picked the CS. So when you didn't, I was like, what are you trying to throw <laughs> when, I said it was, when I said it was topical, uh, I meant in the fact that Modena is the city uh, indeed, where indeed. Maserati yeah. headquarters is That's... located and has been located since 1937 when it was bought out. Uh, by the rival racing family uh, to the Maseratis in the next town over. Disappointed that John didn't do a multiple choice question. Well, you know, we we got some big ones off the jump there. We did. That's fair. We did. So this is, uh, in my opinion, a very important Ferrari. Not one of my favorites, not one that I would want to own personally. However, this was the car that changed Ferrari from being a nightmare maintenance intensive super expensive service just bleh, to uh something that was relatively affordable to maintain um the cam belt intervals like the amount of service the engine needed went up considerably you didn't have to take the fucking engine out to do any work on it um and prior to this model uh ferrari's just kind of like f you in your wallet don't care you know what's interesting too is that this vehicle came out around the time in which the true goat of F1, Schumacher, uh, Michael Schumacher, was pushing F1 Ferrari to the peak. Uh, is what it sounded like, right? Ninety-seven to two thousand four. Yeah, I mean ninety-nine no. was when they came out three sixty, but yeah, yeah, 90, exactly. That's actually yeah ninety-nine to two thousand four. That that is pretty much in alignment with the true goat of F1. Michael Schumacher. Uh, and now his boy is doing big things in the Haas. He's doing so, hey, looked really second quick in that. Fastest, second yeah. fastest. Second fastest after the true current champion, Max Verstappen. Whatever. I think Haas uh, might be looking at some points this season. Yeah, I think so. With that and then k coming back. Yeah, there's no. a reason. And it's multi-year? There's yes, it is. There. Very much is. Yeah. I can't uh, wait for Haas this is- weekend. By the Should way, boys, it's race weekend. That's the thing. Do race a... weekend. Race weekend. Let's get to it, folks. So, uh, yeah. Watch party? F- watch party. Uh, uh, maybe. We... It's going to be a guard weekend we'll for me. Uh, hey, my, thank you for your service, as we would say in the common times. Um, Ryan, do you want to do maybe a Twitter Spaces watch party? Maybe. I'll oh, yeah. Let's do a Twitter off. watch party. I would love that. Uh, let's do like a Zero Lift podcast uh, Twitter uh, live watch party. Yeah, I might do that. Yeah, look yeah. out for that, people on our uh, sure. on our Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. There'll be a link. So it's Bahrain race weekend. I hope uh, you guys have enjoyed our talk on Maserati. If you have anything more to say, if we've missed something, you can hit us up uh, at our Twitter on Instagram podcast or on Instagram where uh, Lenny will be posting some of the photos of some of the cars we've talked about. Uh, yep. Hope you enjoyed the show. Give us a like. Give us a comment. Subscribe if you really enjoy us. This is the kind of conversations we have. John gets on soapboxes. Lenny's a smart car guy, and I'm a complete noob. So I've been Ryan here with Lenny and John. Love you guys. Pen. We'll see you next time.